nothing like I remember. Yes, there are a lot of changes. We used to have a subway. Now we have a Jersey Mike's. I have a menu if you'd like to see it. No, that's okay. You're listening to Karate Kid Minute, the only podcast that breaks down the Karate Kid franchise minutes at a time. I'm Robin. Matt's not here. But today uh, I have a special interview with an actress who guested on uh, Cobra Kai Season 3, the episode The Right Path, as Ren, the woman who tells Daniel about how Tomi Village became Tomi Village Green. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Miki Yamashita. Hi, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm so glad to finally have you on the podcast. We've been talking for a while and, uh, you know, you're a part of the best arc of Cobra Kai season three. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I mean, the, they, the Okinawa storyline, they, we, we had to keep it completely secret for so, so long. Oh. So when it finally came out, I was so, when I finally found out that that's what was happening in the show when I was auditioning for it I was so excited so and I thought well you know even if I don't get this job um I had some small part of Cobra Kai that I got to (laughs) perform at the audition so but then I got it so it was it was very exciting and so so when it came out I was so thrilled so thrilled I mean I can't imagine like so so you know let's walk the listeners through this It, it, it was going to be on YouTube, and then it wasn't going to be on YouTube. It was the whole season was homeless, and then then it ends up going right. to Netflix. But they have to wait for the right moment to uh, release it, and then of course the pandemic. <laughs> so right, what was it exactly. like to keep a secret for that long? <laughs> so when I booked the role, I flew to Atlanta to shoot uh, in October of 2019. Oof. So, and then and that was I think maybe that was the last traveling I ever did before, uh, before the pandemic, I think. Mm -hmm. So, so we shot in October and at the time it was still YouTube red or what they call YouTube premium. I think the show was on YouTube and I thought, great. Okay, fine. Wonderful. And then, so, um, they told me on set, uh, this is coming out next summer. So you can't, you know, post anything on social media about it. You can't say anything about it publicly until um, we drop season three on YouTube. And I was like, great. Okay. And even that seemed like a long time to me. I thought, okay, I could just, I could just keep this, these photos in my camera roll. Like I had taken that photo with, with Ralph Macchio on set. uh, And like, I had to keep it in my camera roll for like, (laughs) 18 months or something it was just wow. crazy so um so so yeah they said you can take you can take a picture now but like you you can't post anything about it. And I said okay that's great fine so um and then I was waiting till the following summer and then it and then I think the pandemic started happening and also um I was reading all of these trade um articles about how well Cobra Kai is not going to be on YouTube anymore. And I was just thinking, well, oh man, are we never going to see this? What's going to happen? And I, I finally started getting information, you know, just like everyone else was getting it, you know, that they were looking for another home for the series. And, um, and that process played out and then the pandemic played out. And finally, when Netflix, um, when Netflix took it over, 
I was I was just completely thrilled because I think I think that the Netflix audience is the reach is wider. And mm-hmm. so even though people I mean, people were already losing their minds about Cobra Kai seasons <laughs> one and two. And so yeah. and so I thought, wow, this will be the greatest thing ever to have even more people be able to watch it. And so so because I think YouTube was basically closing down their scripted. I mean, they were going in a different direction. So they mm-hmm. they decided to let go of Cobra Kai. And we're so lucky that that it went to Netflix because then when then when it debuted when season three debuted on Netflix it was just originally it was supposed to be you know the first week of January or something at the end of the first week of January or something then right. they they jacked it till January 1st <laughs> I, and I thought ah you know I was lo- I was losing it like everyone else so so I was I was just so thrilled that um that all of season three was going to be seen for the first time on Netflix. Yeah. I can't imagine the bizarro world where they can't put it on YouTube and Netflix turns it down and just, it sits on a shelf. I cannot imagine the absolute revolt. <laughs> the Cobra Kai fans I, would think have. It, I think it would have gone somewhere, but we were really lucky that it was Netflix because the, yeah. because the, the audience, the audience is so wide. And I think that it would, season three was able to make as big an impact as it did because um because netflix you know had the power and had the ability to promote it the way that they did and we were like the number one show for like weeks and weeks after you know yeah in january it was like the whole month was like everyone was talking about cobra guy and you know we're we're not the only podcasters I've heard say this, but it, it is so funny having that show on Netflix after trying to talk people into watching seasons one and two on YouTube and having that be the hardest, you know, thing to get people past. Like just just get the YouTube for them for like a month to watch it all and then you can unsubscribe or no, that's too much. But as soon as it's on Netflix, everybody's coming up to you. Going, Have you seen this Cobra Kai show? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I I watched I remember preparing for the audition by watching the pilot on YouTube or whatever mm-hmm. was available at the time on YouTube without a yeah. subscription. I watched those clips or I watched that one episode that I was able to watch. So so um, I did have access to it, thank goodness, to prepare yeah. for the audition. Were you a fan of the the franchise, the movies or, or the? Yeah, so when I, you know, when I was a little kid, I mean, I grew up in Western Massachusetts um, and I was, you know, most of the time, I think maybe 90% of my childhood, I was the only Asian kid in my school, right? And, you know, me and my, me and my, my brother were the only Asian kids. Um, And so uh, you feel a little bit like an outsider sometimes because no one looks like you and every, you know, it's, it's um, a tough, it's tough to grow up kind of being, uh, being, um, separate, you know, different, mm-hmm. um, yeah. than, than, than everyone else. But then, but Cobra, I mean, like, but Karate Kid kind of was a great, um, cultural, like it, it, it made, it was such a, it was such a big hit that everybody realized that being like Japanese stuff was cool. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? 
<laughs> and karate was cool. And, you know, and Japanese culture was something that was special. And so I remember when I remember that movie um, really making me feel like, oh, you know, my heritage is important and special. And, you know, and of course, Pat Morita, his visibility really helped me feel as though, you know, pursuing acting was a real thing. You know, there were very, very few Asian American actors, let alone Japanese American actors, um, who were in big, you know, mainstream movies and TV at the time. And he was mm -hmm. one of the people that really paved the way. And um, so, so he was a he he was a big inspiration for me. And so, so uh, remembering all that from my childhood, and never even thinking, you know, I would someday become a part of. Uh, this franchise it's, it was just it, it's totally thrilling because it's just so the, the original movie is so iconic now you know mm -hmm. yeah and and to see uh the same characters you know as they go through different stages of their lives and 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 seeing Cobra Kai now it's it's just it's just great it's such a long um and uh it, it's it's such a great journey to witness and then to be able to be a small part of. Uh, I mean, watching these movies as a kid, probably, you know, and then growing up and then, I mean, what was it like to be in a scene with Ralph Macho after, after all that? <laughs> okay. So at the audition I'm reading, I, 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 when I prepared for the audition, I thought this scene is with him. It's <laughs> with, it's with him. So yeah. I remember thinking, man, if I get this, we're the only two people in that scene. So, you know, I thought, God bless, you know, I was like, <laughs> I was just said a little prayer and I was like, I thought, oh, this would just be great. But, you know, we, as actors, we go through so many auditions, so you cannot, um, it's almost like every audition has to mean everything to you, but mean nothing mm -hmm. to you at the same time. You have to be able to quickly forget about it and move on, which is very difficult to do because, you know, you want, you want every job you audition for, of course, yeah, but, yeah. um, but, uh, but you have to have the ability to, um, separate yourself from it once the audition's over. And so, so I thought, okay, uh, this would be totally awesome to get, but you know what? I did my best at the audition and we're just gonna, we're just gonna move on. And and then when I got it, I, and I, I, and they're like, you're flying to Atlanta next week. It was, or in a couple days or whatever like that. I was like, oh, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. It's gonna, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. So um, yeah, and I, I, I kept, I kept, uh, I kind of like tried to keep cool about it. And then when, when I got, to the set and saw him, I was like, Nikki, you cannot mess this up. <laughs> you, this is like, you have to pull through and, and be great. You, you have no other choice, but to be, but to, but to be great. <laughs> and, and then he was so nice and he could tell that I was a little nervous, I guess. So, you know, we, he was so sweet, and generous and to like, do you want to, do you want to go over it? Do you want to like rehearse? And like, you know, he, I was like, wow. yes. And so he was just so kind. And like, you know, when you get these jobs, they treat you like this is what you do every single day. Whereas some of us rank and file actors, you know, we're not big stars and we're not on sets every day, but, um, 
you have to pretend like you are, you know, uh, I mean, you may work intermittently, but once you, once you're hired for the job and you show up, they treat you like this is what you do every day. And so, um, so I was on the outside trying to act completely cool. But on the inside, I was going, Mickey, you've got to nail this. You have no choice but to nail this. <laughs> but it's, now looking back, it's like so funny. But but um, yeah, you have moments in your life. And that was one of them. I've got multiple moments in my career where I, I, rem I remember saying to myself, OK, you have to get this. You have yeah. to nail this. And that was one of them. And, and it, it went so great. It went so great. Did you ever slip and call him Daniel by mistake? Like, I, I guarantee that. So something I would do just to completely mortify myself. <laughs> no, you know what? Everything, every, <laughs> as soon as we got there, as soon as we, um, as soon, I mean, everything happened kind of very yeah. quickly. So mm -hmm. I, uh, I, I, I was like a little deer in the headlights. So I, <laughs> I was just trying to remember everybody's name, not just his name, right, you know. Right, right. So uh yeah, I tried to I tried to make sure I made note of like who um you know of course the executive producers I knew and like mm. and you know I knew what they looked like and all that. So and 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 I also also able to meet um Tamlin Tomita that day. So oh, I nice. even though we she and I were not in scenes together, um yeah. she was also shooting that day. So I got to meet her and she's a big icon to me. You know, she's a big star to me because you know, Joy Luck Club, I mean, uh, she it, to me she's a huge star. And so I was very careful not to try not to bother either Ralph or Tamlin uh while I was there. And but they they were kind enough to you know, approach me and make me feel welcome and included. So I was very touched by that. And I, I've watched a lot of interviews with uh, Ralph and Tamlin, and they do seem like genuinely nice people and just open and 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 kind to talk to. So uh, yeah, maybe and, one. <laughs> and it was it was I realized okay, so I so there was a moment where I realized that okay, so there was two, there were three like they they're supposed to I think it's some kind of contractual thing where they have to if you're a principal actor they have to give you like a director's chair to sit on when you're not shooting to just mm -hmm. like you know uh chill out and so I look over and I'm trying I'm waiting for people are you know bustling around me like setting up equipment and all that stuff and then like there were three chairs right I saw three chairs on the side and Ralph and Tamlin were sitting in the two chairs and I realized the third chair is for me and it was, I, I, it blew my mind. Like I've been acting for so long and there are so many days where I just feel like I'm nobody and no one cares what I do. And, and like, I just am like a completely obscure person who's, who never gets recognition and never, you know, rarely gets jobs. But then I look and I realize that uh, there's two super famous actors sitting in the two chairs and the third chair's empty and that one was for me and i i mm. when i realized that it was just it was such i wanted to cry <laughs> totally wanted to cry uh, but i kept it I, together I, I and and like you said you filmed it in atlanta uh i was actually mm -hmm. surprised to hear that uh the tommy village set or Tommy Village Green set was uh, in Atlanta. Like, was that on the lot or something, or was that like a small outdoor mall, maybe that you? Yes. Had to film so at? it it was an actual outdoor 
location that was dressed like it was Japan. And I have to tell you, everything was so wow. authentic. Like, I mean, it really looked like Okinawa, okay? And all of yeah. the um, the writing and the, you know, everything was just so accurate. Um, and uh, yeah, I do think they went to Okinawa for some of it, but I was not right. a part of that crew. I was not a part of that um, part of the production. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they... The uh, the attention to detail is so, um, it's so they're so meticulous, you know, and everything looked exactly like Japan, and I would it, it did blow my mind, you know, um, and I I was I was interested in the fact that I mean there's so much production in Atlanta, right? Um, mm-hmm. Tyler Perry's there, and he's got his whole sprawling soundstage and everything, and so. Um, you know, there's a lot going on in Atlanta and they have a lot of resources and productions love going there because of the, um, the tax incentives and so forth. So, so, um, I wasn't surprised that there was a a lot of, you know, capabilities in, in Atlanta to make it look like anything, you know? Um, but yeah, once I got on set, it was like, yeah, this looks like Japan. I mean, it really does. So I I um, actually, uh, I, I actually, uh, read that Tommy Village Green is actually cl- closer to what Okinawa looks like than what we see in the actual movie, uh, part two, Karate Kid part two. Right. And then when he says it's the place that time forgot something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and he's so, I thought that scene was so funny where he's so upset that things are so different, you know, and my character is just like, you could just get a sub, just, get a sub you'll feel better you know or something it's so it's so sweet it's like i i love that um i i love that there's so much humor in this show you know that you wouldn't expect they really they like i I mean i i'm so floored by all the action sequences i mean and the kids are doing so much and like there's a lot of uh there's a lot of really great action scenes but um I love the humor in the show and mm. I'm so glad that I got to be a part of like uh, one of the funny scenes, you know? So, um, so yeah, I just, uh, it, the, the tone of the show is just so specific and I love that. Uh, and, and you know, who knows what, what they might do in future episodes. I mean, I read that you're uh, a classically trained soprano. So obviously if they do a musical episode, uh, they're going to have to call you back. <laughs> or, I mean, y- you know, maybe there's a whole spinoff in Okinawa. I don't oh. know. <laughs> I have been pitching a young Miyagi series on our podcast that I guarantee nobody at <laughs> Sony listens to. But, you know, <laughs> it's out there. <laughs> hey, I, I mean, the fan, the fan community of Cobra Kai has been so, I, I mean, I, I, I just love finding out how much um, enthusiasm there is for this series. It was just, once it started coming out, I I was like, holy smokes, there's mm-hmm. so many podcasts and so many people on Twitter that are so excited about it. And, you know, um, I, I just, I've just been so, um, I felt so embraced by the Cobra Kai fan community. So it's, it's I've, I've been very touched by that. Uh, yeah, I kind of wanted to get a little bit into, uh, your singing. I, I actually read on IMDb that you played, uh, Maria 
in West Side Story, a production of West Side Story. Are you looking forward to the uh, the Spielberg reboot? Yeah, and I'm so glad that we're we can like go to movie theaters now. Like oh, that yeah. was. You know, I mean, it was so um, it was so rough for a while to not be able to like go see movies, you know. So I think this would be exciting. Um, I haven't mm. seen the In the Heights yet, or I haven't seen, um, you know. I, I, I mean, I definitely I love West Side Story. I think it is one of my favorite musicals of all time, um, mm. and uh, I think that 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 piece. Um, the music is so powerful and so timeless and, and that, um, I just feel, I just, every time I hear it or sing it, it's just, um, it stops you in your tracks. So I, I'm looking forward to the movie, but I'm also, um, you know, I, I, I did not get a chance to see the Broadway revival, but anytime mm-hmm. anything is like anything West Side Story, I will, I, I, I have a lot of interest in it. And I also have like, you know, um, I, I'm very, I'm very intrigued by, I, by musicals or pieces of theater that are weird, like, uh, hybrids of different musical types. So West Side Story to me is sort of a, it's sort of a, there's, there's, uh, classical elements, there's musical theater elements, there's, you know, there's so many different, um, different, uh, types of music that are kind of, there's a tension between, um, the, the styles of music, which I really find intriguing. Um, and, you know, Porgy and Bess is another example where there's like the constant tension between, is it classical? Is it jazz? Is it Broadway? You know, and the answer is, is it's all of them, you know? So as I, um, as I grow as a musician and as a singer, um, I, I, I find myself, uh, finding more material to sing, to learn on my own. And during the pandemic, I mean, I just basically started learning new music because there was, I mean, there was nothing else to do, you know? Um, (laughs) so in a way the pandemic was a blessing because it allowed me to, um, explore music that I had always said I was going to learn, but never really had time. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I love singing. It's something I practice every almost every day, even though mm-hmm. I don't. Even when I don't have any performance or anything or auditions or anything that I'm particularly preparing for, I still practice almost every day. Um, so I think that is and during the pandemic no one was performing you know um mm-hmm. so it, it i i understand that a lot of people had difficulty trying to you know uh, keep grinding and keep practicing and stuff uh during the pandemic but um i took it as an opportunity to you know to woodshed a bunch of music that i always claimed i was going to learn someday but never mm-hmm. did <laughs> so uh, so yeah i'm i mean i'm so glad that i took the opportunity during the pandemic to you know branch out from um branch out from the typical things that i was uh always singing you know i had repertoire that i was always and what uh, you know going back to west side story that that and like other musical theater things i was always i always had ready in my repertoire but 
the pandemic was an opportunity for me to stretch and challenge myself and to learn harder music or music that, you know, maybe it was too hard that I might never perform. But the point is, it's never wasted time because you're making yourself better as a singer. Yeah. You're making yourself a better musician. And so that's that's what I did. And so so now I feel now that now that we're kind of out of the pandemic stage, I'm glad that I uh, I'm looking back. I'm so glad that I made myself do that and grow as a musician. Uh, and, and it's probably I, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do, to do that if I hadn't been told, you know, you can't go anywhere. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I think when the, the pandemic started for me, I was immediately thinking, oh, I should do something. And I think I just podcasted more. That was about it. No, but that's but. great. A lot of people, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I struggled a lot with, you know, you kind of get into this existential state of what's it all about? What mm. is this all for? When is it? Because remember, in the beginning, it was just going to be two weeks or something, right? right. And I yeah. remember saying, well, two weeks, I can do this. I can just like buck up and like, you know, you know, I'm hunker down and be fine. Right, right. <laughs> and then like fast forward to like a year and three months later, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, not, I think not knowing when it was going to be over, really, I really struggled with that. I know a lot of actors um, in my community struggle and singers struggled with it because especially singers, because the singer, the singing thing at the actual turns out the actual act of singing super spreaded the virus. <laughs> yeah, that's so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was kind of demoralizing to be told. Well, first you're non-essential, and also you're a super spreader. So you're like the worst <laughs> of all worlds. So please stop singing and you know <laughs> hide out oh, in your basement terrible. for yeah. you know the foreseeable future. So that's that was sad. So um, mm -hmm. struggling with that, but I still I I think a lot of I think like a lot of artists I. I found a way to balance that, you know, the depression and the feeling of like purposelessness to with, um, you know, you, you made, I, I made my own purpose, like to get through this by just trying to um, expand my horizons musically and try and learn new music. And, you know, I watched a lot of the, uh, um, the Metropolitan Opera, thankfully, um, uh, offered a lot of their HD streams of their operas to, um, to watch for free. And mm -hmm. so I watched a lot of operas that I, I never thought I'd have the time to watch. Um, and so, and I was able to watch them for free. Um, so I really got a chance to really get caught up on a lot of the operatic repertoire that I really should have known to begin with. Um, I got uh, I got more of a really solid footing on the on that whole um, art form. You know, I I understand much more of it now from a like a bird's eye view because I've seen so many of these uh, these productions. So you know, there there were good things. I mean, it's it's. I think I think the question is like, what now, right? Yeah. I mean. Uh, I mean, production is ramping up again. Theaters are coming back. 
Um, people, more and more people are vaccinated. So I'm hopeful, you know? Yeah. I, um, are, are you into uh, karaoke at all? <laughs> no, but I, I no? <laughs> you know, a lot of people that I know, I, I know several people that are completely obsessed with it. And so maybe like, maybe, maybe I'll go to, go to one of those and like be the ringer that no one expects, you know? <laughs> like, whoa. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was one thing that I missed during the pandemic. Karaoke and I was like a once a night, once a once a month thing. I'd go out and I'd get all 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 the emotions out <laughs> by singing whatever song was at the top of my uh, top of my list. But then, of course, th- that all went away. But uh, yeah, it, towards the end of the month, I was invited to a karaoke night, and I'm like, "Are we ready for this yet?" Uh, I feel a little weird, but might try it out. But I know yeah. it's so it's so hard to. Um... I mean, I understand that there's like hesitation still, you know, I completely mm-hmm. understand. And, and I don't know where you're, are you located on the East coast? You're in the yeah. East coast, right? I'm yeah. Vermont, so, yeah. right. So, um, here in Los Angeles, you know, our numbers were terrible for a long, long time. And even to this day, like people, like I would say the mask wearing is like 50, 50. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think that there, are, I think that, you know, it's going to take some time um, for all this to be like back, like full blast. Right. But I mean, I've gone to I've gone to some restaurants, you know, I, yeah. I've so, you know, um, and that's like cathartic. Right. To actually be able to do. It's amazing what we took for granted. I know. <laughs> and now it all seems kind of weird. I don't know, at least for, you know, those of us who really observed the <laughs> the lockdowns and things like that. It's very weird to get back into normalcy, but yeah. Yeah. But I'm hopeful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what do you, what do you prefer more, uh, uh, acting or singing? Which, which is your favorite you think? Um, I, I love it all. Like mm-hmm. as an actor who's, I'm not, you know, a celebrity, I'm just a, I'm just a rank and file, you know, uh, uh, work worker B, I guess. So you take the jobs that come to you that are offered yeah. to you, you know? And, um, if the next thing I get offered is a singing thing, great. If the next thing I get offered is, you know, Cobra Kai spinoff, <laughs> I'll do that too. You know, I mean, yes. so, so whatever comes my way, it, I try and enjoy it to the fullest. Um, singing is so special to me and like, and I definitely I definitely want to find a way to do it again um, after everything we've been through um, to, to perform again. Um, But I don't know if, I don't know what shape that will take, but, um, but it'll happen. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that it'll happen. And I'm like, I'm definitely determined to make it happen. And, uh, yeah, finally, I wanted to ask, uh, you did some, you've been doing some, obviously, uh, 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 voicing of animated characters and there was a reoccurring character on the Disney junior show, the lion guard. I, I have to ask what, what was it like to voice a lion? Like first, like, first of all, like how cool it must be to have your own Disney character in the lion King canon. And I know. Also, I, so, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Matt, like, I mean, she, we talk about Karate Kid being this <laughs> iconic, you know, iconic series, but the, this legacy. But then, like, I mean, I remember Lion King coming out, too. And I remember, you know, 
I mean, the original Lion King is just like, I mean, no one has not seen that thing, you know? So, um, and, and the way that those, um, those particular lions are, um, depicted, it's just, it, it's so everybody knows what a Lion King lion looks like, you know? So, um, when I got the role, I, I was just so thrilled. It was so exciting, especially because when I was recording the role, they were about to release the Beyonce live action Lion King, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was coming up. And so there was a lot of excitement and nostalgia, you know, spiraling up again for Lion King again. So, um, so to be able to do the role while all that was, all that was happening on the feature side and, um, and then to see, be able to like talk to uh, a lot of, parents and stuff whose little children so uh so disney junior is for children like ages three to seven or something like that so um a lot of little tiny little baby kids are introduced to lion king through the lion guard you know and so there's this whole other generation of little kids who are you know, who, who can love the, the Lion King all over again, you know, and their parents, of course, know the original movie. So, um, so it was fun. It was just wonderful to see all these little kids, um, getting into, uh, getting into the Lion King franchise through the Lion Guard, you know? Um, and so, so when I recorded the role, there was no drawing or there was no, um, rendering of the character at all. So mm-hmm. I was recording without any visual uh, representation of the character. And then um, when I, I recorded the first, I, I think I recorded like the first four episodes and then, uh, and then I got, I, I got another, I got H1N1, which is the swine flu. Okay. Oh wow! And I, I got really sick and I, I lost my voice for about uh, three three months, and I mean I don't e- I don't even mean I lost my singing voice. I lost my speaking voice. Like I couldn't I couldn't make any sound, and so um and so <laughs> I so during that time I just was furiously trying to get better, and then so a few months later it was when I start when I was able to record um, the last handful of episodes that I'm in. And so there was a huge break between that first chunk of episodes and then the second chunk because I was so sick. Um, and then after, in the second half, I um, was told, you're in a song. Your character's going to sing. And so oh, nice. I thought, that's wonderful. And they're like, <laughs> are, they're, they were like, are you okay singing? And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> um, I don't know how much they knew about the fact that I was already a professional singer, but um, so we got to, so we got to work on the songs together, like the music and, and um, luckily, you know, I was able to sing again um, after uh, I recovered from swine flu. Oh, gosh. And yeah. yeah, so, so there was some drama between, you know, I, I was able to get the get the job done. And so, and I'm so happy that I was able to recover and, and finish that, um, that arc of episodes. Um, and you know, I, I, I was so lucky that that happened 
you know, that was like 2019, 20. Yeah, that was like 2018, 2019. And so I'd already had that credit um, when the pandemic hit. And so I was pretty active in voiceover throughout the pandemic, which was very lucky. Uh, yeah, I, I actually have no idea how voiceover work is done. Like, I, and, and from what it sounds is they just have you record your lines and then they animate it around your voice. Right? right. So animation, I've learned that animation takes a great deal of time. So mm. the way it's done is um, it's just a long process with a lot of um, artists uh, involved. So um, so there are certain certain situations where you are able to uh, see what the other actors look like and interact with them. I was, I recorded all of my work by myself, um, you know, but, but they, depending on who had already recorded, they were able to play me the previous lines recorded by the other actor. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's sort of hodgepodge because if you're in the middle, then, you know, some actors haven't recorded yet. So, um, so, you know, you're going, you're, you're doing it kind of piece by piece, you know? Um, and, uh, so, so during the pandemic, I already had like a basic voiceover setup in my house. And, um, and then I was auditioning, turning in auditions by recording in my house. Um, and then, uh, during the pandemic, I was able to record actual jobs a voice, uh, you know, jobs from my house, which I didn't even know. I wouldn't have even known that that was possible um, if the pandemic had never happened. Because you usually, when you book the role, then you are sent to a studio, right? So, but because of the pandemic, I was able to record several jobs from home, which was such a blessing. And then mm. um, now we're able to go back to record in studios. So that's great. <laughs> And, and yeah, like, uh, I, I'm not sure. So you're, so I'm assuming it's so like nailed down that you're not allowed to like improvise at all. Cause they're, they have to do a lot of work no matter what, whatever you say, you know? Well, sometimes right? depending on what the voiceover, what the voice, what the job is, sometimes they'll ask for in animation. It's extremely rare that, uh, but I mean, I haven't experienced a lot of requests for improv um, in animation, but there are in like commercial voiceover, mm -hmm. they'll ask you to, oh, do a second take and just have fun with it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that's fun. That's fun to be able to put, to, to play around with, with scripts. But um, I try to, I try to, um, I, I try to give, you know, I, I try to give whatever I can that gives it my own uh, spin to it and try not to worry so much about like, what do you, what do I, what do I think they want? You know, because after you do tons and tons of voiceover, you get a, your, you develop your own instinct for how it should sound, you know, mm -hmm. and how it sounds yeah. authentic to you. So you have to kind of trust that, especially because you're not, you know, before the pandemic, I was able to go to my agent's office and record things. And then I would get, I would actually get some feedback and we would work together, but, um, but you're, you're, you don't have the benefit of, of that if you're turning in auditions by yourself and you're working on them by yourself and you're, it's very isolated. So um, I had to rely a lot on my own instincts 
um, and, and, you know, uh, try to trust it. Um, yeah. And that's, I guess that's, that's my advice for any, (laughs) uh, aspiring voiceover people out there. I, I just say, you, you know, you know what you're doing as an actor, um, you have to tr- just trust that instinct, you know? Right. Um, I, and, and uh, I did hear an interview with you a few months ago where you said you had a uh, project you were working on, I think voiceover that you had to keep quiet about. Are you, are you able to reveal what it is just yet? Or <laughs> Yes. So there's a series on Netflix, another Netflix series um, mm. called the girl from nowhere. And it's mm. a, it's a, a drama series from Thailand, and uh, I I recur in several episodes of uh, that um, of that series, but I'm not I'm not seen, but I I I voice the English language. I we I did all the English language dubbing for several characters in that series, so um, that that's out now, and that, so that's exciting. It's called The Girl from Nowhere. Uh, So doing dubbing work has been really interesting. It's a totally different process. Mm. Um, And uh, now that I've experienced doing that, it's like another uh, great thing to have on your resume because it's like it's a very specialized skill because you have to like match the facial movements of an individual who's actually on camera. So Mm. you have to like time everything exactly right. Uh, so that, um, so that the, it, everything matches, you know? Um, so wow. that's a, uh, yeah, it's a, a big coordination type of skill set. So I'm <laughs> thrilled that I got experience doing that. Do you have to kind of go line by line, like do one line stop, you know, and, yes. you know so, mark and that's it. So it's a weird process where like, the dialogue comes, you, you're looking at the person who's on camera, who you're missing. And then like a CNN crawl type of thing goes across the bottom of the screen and you're supposed to read it, but there's like a line and you have to be exactly right where the line is. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) sometimes it's not like, it's tough because you want to be in the moment authentically as a voice actor, but you also have to, um, coordinate, uh, logistically, um, choreographically, should we say to match the match? What's, uh, the mouth movement of the, uh, actor on camera. So now that, you know, now that I've done that, I feel like, wow, there's a lot, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of voiceover, you know, skill that, uh, that I didn't know about. And now I have, so it's exciting. Yeah, pat out that resume. I mean, that that like opens yeah. up a whole new avenue. Oh, wow. That's great. Right. right. Um, is there anything else uh, you want people to know about to check out uh, before we uh, start wrapping this up? Um, well, my Instagram and my Twitter is Mickey410, Emma's and Mother, I-K-I, 410. And it's 410 because I'm four feet 10 inches tall. <laughs> So that's my um, attempt at personal branding. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I guess that maybe we can announce uh, now that you're actually going to be helping out our podcast a bit as we go through uh, our coverage of Karate Kid 2. Um, let the listeners, I mean, there's there's a few times during 
Karate Kid Part 2, many times, I think, that characters are talking in Japanese, but there's no subtitles. And since we kind of want to talk about every second of that movie, we wanted to make sure we understood just about everything that's happening. So uh, to let people know, I, I reached out on social media. I, I want to thank uh, Kevin, the Cobra Kai dad, co-host of the Karate Kai Connection podcast, a past guest of our show, for putting us in touch with you. Um, and since you play Daniel's Okinawan tour guide in the Cobra Kai episode, The Right Path, I thought how cool would it be for you to be our own Okinawan tour guide and put us on the right path, at least <laughs> in terms of language, uh, for, uh, our season two of our podcast. So, uh, and, you know, also we wanted to make sure as, uh, uh, my co-host Matt and I were both white guys. I'm from Vermont. He's from Canada. We wanted to show proper respect to Japanese culture and and not botch things up uh, with the language. And I was actually on your your website, and I want to let everybody know it's uh, MickeyYamashita.com. It'll be in our show notes. Uh, and was definitely inspired by something I read there. It was, uh, maybe you can even hire Mickey to make your project more awesome and less Caucasian. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, um, listen- um, we, we need to go back. I, I need to like, I need to look at the website again because I I have not I have not touched that thing in a while. So um, I got to see what's up there. <laughs> Still, I was very concerned about us two, you know, two white guys covering, you know, Karate Kid too, especially as we go to Okinawa and you know, learning all these different things about uh, Japan and Okinawa and the people, and uh, did not want to come off as being uh, completely moronic. <laughs> So no, I appreciate uh, that you did that. It's very, it's very, um, uh, it's, it's inspiring to see people, um, people become interested in Japanese culture and language, um, through these movies and through pop culture. It's great. I love it. So listeners, uh, Mickey did us a huge favor and went through the movie and translated a, a good portion of the unsubtitled uh, Japanese dialogue for us. So whenever we come across any of that, it will definitely come with a thank you uh, for making our podcast, uh, well, more awesome and less Caucasian. <laughs> so. yeah, I'm so glad. Awesome. And uh, and thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast, uh, for guesting on Karate Kid Minute. Uh, Mickey Yamashita, thank you so much. Thank you for having me.